0: Hey, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Brooklyn Netcast pod. We are joined here today with Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. Very excited to have him on. Obviously, he's one of the big fan favorites over the past decade, and I know a lot of you guys have been talking about him recently, especially with, like, all the wings and stuff. Like, oh, yo, bring back Rondé. got to bring all the wings back together. So we're very happy to have you on and very excited
1: to see you. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, man. I I miss Brooklyn, so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, we we miss you there too. Um. Obviously, like I said, a big fan favorite. You know, brought energy every single night. It was a tough defender. And uh, I keep people keep bringing up. I, I see the Sacramento game all the time. The comeback with yeah. you, D'Lo, Spence. I think Allen was on the bench most of there. Dudley and uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So I mean, we, we still love a lot yeah. of chatting about you um, among the Brooklyn fan base.
1: Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. It's uh that was that was a great year too. Um, just to, in terms of energy. Um, the energy in Brooklyn was amazing. The fans, they were amazing. My teammates, I loved them. So it was definitely great. It was definitely great. Absolutely.
0: Well, I, th- I think my first question, which is something we asked, um, asked about a lot, is what you're up to now and what you're doing now, how things have been going since your time in Brooklyn and how mm-hmm. things have
1: changed. Um, I'm up to what I'm up to now. Right now, in this current moment, I'm playing in Puerto Rico, uh, BSN. Uh, we're in the semifinals, uh, just played game one. Um, but uh, I would say the last two, three years, I've kind of just been in Europe, Asia, uh, playing over there, uh, been to Turkey, been to Korea, been to the Philippines. Um, actually, just won a championship in the Philippines, uh, which was South a great Africa. experience. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people know that the the Philippines like basketball culture is huge, mm. um no matter where you go, you can find a kid uh, playing basketball, uh, whether it's on a dirt road or uh, it doesn't matter, but they really love basketball so um the championship games were insane, like sixteen and twenty thousand people every night. Wow. Uh, we were going against the team like the the country's fan favorite uh they're called a Nebra and uh you know, imagine fifteen thousand people booing me every time I touched the ball it was it was crazy. It's something like <laughs> environment. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Like it was crazy. It was crazy. I was like wow but it just I don't know it kind of like charged me up. It was like an energy different type of energy source.
0: Would you say that um because I see a lot of players that play international and also play in the NBA say so this that the energy um, in like internationally is better as far as crowds go because it, it does seem I mean as it, much as I see it, it looks better. Yeah, I
1: would say um, the difference is uh you kind of lose out when you start to bring the the more like expensive seats. It becomes not a fan; they become a like you got a business guy who may not cheer or like a, you know, a a CEO woman who interested in a certain player, but like not really a true fan of basketball, um, so to say, but they can afford the tickets. You know, you got $2,000 courtside seats, $5,000 courtside seats. So in the Philippines, like courtside seats is like a hundred bucks or something. So like there's true fans at the games, um, So that's like, I think the biggest difference where you talk about the atmosphere, um, especially in a place like, if you compare it to like Brooklyn versus over there, it's like the first, let's say 10 rows of people that have like really good money and they're like worried about how they look and like, you know, it's kind of like a fashion show. Um, And then once you get higher up, you hear the people like, let's go Brooklyn. You know, the the, the, the true fans who've been there since the beginning. uh, that's kind of the difference. So. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean we see clips a lot, uh, especially like I know when um Mike James was playing overseas and obviously like when Katie was on the team, you know, you see all that stuff. And he was in uh Europe, I can't remember uh which country, but there was like a freaking fireworks going off in the stadium. Like, dude, this
1: <laughs> insane, bro. Insane. <laughs> the rules are like just so different. Um and when I was in Turkey, uh, we we're playing a uh, Shane Larkin and them, uh, and dudes are like fighting in the crowd, smoking cigarettes, no shirts on. It's like it's, it was insane. It was insane. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. crazy.
2: Oh. Um, yeah, actually, I uh, so in terms of like. The- play style like the nba compared to like overseas do you see like a big difference or do you think that like players who play overseas like their games can translate like super easy to the nba or is there like Mm -hmm. a a sort of like play style difference like speedier or like more tenacious defending
1: or like anything Mm -hmm. yeah um i would say the difference the big difference is like uh one the physicality two the speed is um slower the speed is slower more fundamental uh focus on kind of like every individual like uh working as a team versus like in the nba you got like individual players who like the games focus on and like less us cater to them and like how the game works overseas i would say that that's kind of like it's like they want you to be a great team it's like they don't do individual workouts that much they don't do like uh, necessarily focus on one player um, it's more so like how can the system run smoothly perfectly um so that's pretty much the difference that's why you see a lot of scores in Euro leagues like 70 to like 75 if you get 80 to 90 you're like it's like hot game like you're like whoa you know so <laughs> <laughs> um that's pretty much the, the biggest difference but the Philippines I'll tell you they model their game after the nba they play 12 minute quarters it's the only one yeah like on this side of the world that that played 12 minute quarters uh i played in one game we probably had 130 points um yeah it was it was crazy but um other than that everywhere else uh, like even here in puerto rico like our score last night was 77 71 so it's like you yeah. know
2: like, bring yeah, you back yeah. to those it's Arizona days where it's, like, 40-minute yeah. games. But, like, you, you rarely see anyone go over 100 points because it's, like, everyone's, like, you know, uh, very fundamental, very team-based because the coach, like, wants you to play as a team more as, like, an individual.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. I think it's good, though, like, because a lot of people can't transition from, like, NBA or, like, American basketball to European or Asian basketball. Um, Asian not necessarily because it's like they want you to play one-on-one. It's like, yo, know, go get 25, go get 30, 40, whatever. Um, but European basketball, they want you, like, the max, like you'll see, like the max average over there would be, like, if you're, like, the highest scoring, probably, like, 20 points, 21 points. Mm. You might have somebody that can score more than that or whatever, but, like, they're kind of pushing it. Um, uh, but, yeah, the, it's uh, definitely different, definitely different.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, my question is, what was the biggest takeaways from your time with uh, Brooklyn Kenny Atkinson? Some of the vets, obviously, some of the younger guys. Like, what are the big lessons you learned there, and uh, some of your you know favorite moments there?
1: Man, a lot of a lot of memories in in New York, dude. Um, I would say my biggest my biggest takeaway, um, especially like going on the journey that I went on uh mentally spiritually growing evolving being a, a, a 19 20 year old kid getting drafted in the lottery um i would say uh the vets like it's kind of like you know how someone's like yo uh i don't think you should go down this road but as a as a young person you like i still want to go down this road um i think the older guy is kind of telling me hey uh maybe kind of toned down on the like in that moment I had a lot of pride like I was very prideful I wore my heart on my sleeve everyone knew it and like that's the way I played um but that was like even off the court so a lot of times the older guys uh like I had when I first got there Joe Johnson, Young, Brooke, Brooke who was like like this or whatever um and then um Ed Davis, Jared Dudley, those guys came, and they were like Damari Carroll. They were kind of like closer in age to me, and like uh, they kind of like tried to guide me with like how my mindset was. So I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, uh, man, you, you should calm down a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Just focus on the game and like let everything else take care of itself because uh, I was like, you're really talented, et cetera, but I, sometimes I let my emotions get the best of me which kind of like ultimately decided, made some decisions had to be made um, on a business side. Uh, so, yeah, I would think I would say the, the, the having the vets kind of like coach me on a mindset frame of like, yo, um, maybe you should take a step back, reevaluate, look at it differently mm. um, was definitely helpful uh, for me now because I didn't look at it in the moment. you know, I didn't think about it too much. Uh, but like when I went on that journey, I kind of like thought about it, processed it, and I even reached out to like uh, Kenny Jock, uh, those dudes. and was just like, "Yo, my bad," you know. Like I was young, I was like very emotional. You know, a lot of kids from from where I come from, we go through a lot, deal with a lot. So um, that was all going on constantly, and I'm like, "Boom!" I'm just exploding sometimes. So. Um, they were very receptive to that, and I appreciated them for that. Uh, helped me grow some more, um, which was good. And those guys—they were good. They were good people, you know. They were good people um, in terms of like letting us play free, letting us have fun, um, letting us, you know, get the crowd engaged and things like that. It was—it uh, was beautiful.
0: Absolutely. Um, would would you say you had like one specific vet? I don't want to say favorite vet because it, it just sounds weird. But uh, just like a, a vet that probably helped guide you the most, someone that you really looked up to, like, in Brooklyn, it was like, wow, like,
1: yeah. that, that's my um, I would, I would say, like, that big brother, it would be, like, two. I I really loved uh, Brooke Lopez and Jeremy. Okay. Uh, Jeremy Lynn. They were, like, Randy Foy. Randy Foy was, oh, yeah, <laughs> exceptional. Dem- like, I can't, like, pinpoint yeah. one person, like, different like, I feel like the culture made a shift like with the energy and everything. When we got like D-Lo, Jared and all those guys, Mm -hmm. Um, Theo Benson, like the (laughs) the energy, the energy kind of like skyrocketed, you know? So like, I would say it was just different kind of vets that I had, but I would say Brooke and Jeremy, just in terms of like how close we were, like I would go to their house, I would like meet their family, hang out with the kids, not their kids, but the kids in their family. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would just, we would bond, man. I would get, like, get to know them, like, truly who they are and, like, what mm-hmm. they like and love. and Like, it was, like, actually a really cool experience to, to do those things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um,
2: I honestly think, like, um, you talking about, like, all these vets, like, helping you out, you know, like, kind of growing your game and learning to control your emotions. Like, even whether it be, like, off the court, like, hanging out together, know like kind of getting assimilated into the brooklyn culture or just like you know kind of bonding on a more like deeper than just work level like a personal level i really think Mm -hmm. that like helps you out with like the culture that kenny was kind of trying to create there and you can definitely see that with like the bench mob celebrations the memes that everyone puts out with like the dancing stuff so kind of related to that like was there any like practicing of like those celebrations was like in times you know someone (laughs) give all the time it's like um it's, like, everyone, like, puts it down. Like, if, like, there's good Nets news, you see that one clip of you guys just, like, all dancing on the bench. Yeah. Is there any practice yeah. for that?
1: Or is it just, like, a uh, um, thing? Yeah, no, it actually started – Uh, it started in practice. We were, uh, like, we were always to uh, – so I don't know if you've seen the practice facility. It's, like, I want to say, like, two two main baskets, but it's, like, four courts. So we would, like, go to the courts and, like – you have five people here, five people here, five people here, five people here. We would do shooting contests, like first one to 10, first one to 10. And like, it got competitive after a while, like to the point where like dudes were like, we got y'all like, I like going back and forth. And then, um, it was one day, uh, I think it was, uh, either me or Theo. I, I want to say Theo. Um, or me and Theo was on the same team and it just, like it was like a dance. Like we just started dancing, like kind of like, uh, and then it like progressed to like, like the leg work. And then Theo took it to another level. And then that's when the whole team, like if we had, Five players at this basket all five of them started doing it after they would win and then it progressed and the coaches started doing it when we were win. <laughs> it was like the trainers would like get into it. it was it was cool um it was fun man it was fun it was great but uh that's how I started bro. wow oh, we,
0: we've never heard that that's like a it's it's brand new news to the whole like you know whole nuts yeah. um fan base
1: because it's yeah, how, yeah people it was, talk about it all the time Yeah, yeah, Yeah. nah, I still see the memes to this day. Uh, People are still sending them to me. Uh, Even, like, when I go abroad, like, my teammates are like, is this you? And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Yeah, if you look at my
2: uh, my most used gifts on uh, Twitter, you search on the little search button, and like the top three, you can always see like one of the, that one of the three will always be that one celebration where Delo just going like this, and like you're moving your legs, and everyone just yeah. like, it totally yeah. comes in the background. It's so yeah. funny.
1: so funny, bro. So funny. It's uh, amazing. Yeah.
0: Do you have a favorite game? A favorite performance? For the like uh, in the NBA, I guess in general that you had that like s- comes to mind um, first, or a few even.
1: Oh, um, mm. favorite. I mean, it's a lot. I would say going way back. Uh, this is like my rookie season. I broke my ankle and I came back. We played Charlotte um, in Brooklyn. And I throw the ball to Brooke Lopez in the post. He like, this was before he shot 10 threes a game. This is when I don't even remember, but Brooke Deuce the only post up. Yeah. Only post up. So he's like posting. And um, I think Nick Batum is guarding me. He turns his head. I cut. Brooke hits me with a bounce pass and I dunk it. And that was like my welcome back after my injury. And I was like, you know, really, really cool moment there for me. Um, I enjoyed that, and then I would say my one of my favorite is the the Sacramento game. You know, the Sacramento game was like, you know, just I'm I'm sure you guys know, like me not playing that much, uh, having multiple DMPs, uh, still trying to be a supportive teammate. It's hard when you're a competitor, and you know, like, hey, I can help my team on so many different levels. Um, it was definitely hard for me to sit out uh, emotionally um, i just i just couldn't figure that out you know being young i couldn't figure out like like why like why me why so many different reasons but that game every time well every time he put me in whether it be third quarter for whenever i tried to like show him like yo this is why you need to play me this mm-hmm. is why you need to play me and uh, it just so happened that game i was like in my head already when we went down, I was like, yo, we're going to come back. Like, I already, like, and I, I just kept that same mindset. Like, yo, I'm picking up full court. I'm, like, getting every rebound. And, like, D-Lo was hot. So, I'm, like, I'm making sure I scream great for D-Lo. Like, <laughs> that this step up. I know he's going to make this. We're good. Like So, that was just the mindset. Like, just execute everything. You know? And just little by little, you just started to see, like, down 27, oh, down 22, down 16, and we're like, yo, this is kind of crazy, <laughs> hold up, and we're, but we're on a high, though, like, we're just floating, like, boom, 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 you see Jared, Jared is, like, the most overly, like, he communicates, like, so effectively in, like, critical situations you now, like, some people, they can't really, like, they're just, like, focused on their job, like, Jared is like focused on his job, talking to you, helping somebody back here, grabbing the beer. Like he's like doing the whole nine. Like I love, like when it comes, like if I could pick a teammate that like could get me through a situation blindfolded, I'd pick Jared Depp. Like he's like one of the best, greatest communicators um, I've played with. So um, and it was just like you could tell, like if you watch the clip and mute everything, you see Jared like. Like you just see him <laughs> doing something that's like amazing, like <laughs> that Dennis Rodman clip, yeah. Like the- <laughs> 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 yeah, you just see him, just like he's like he's amazing. He's amazing when it comes to that, and I was like, yeah. So, so yeah, that moment, and then the game winner, of course. Yeah, like, I say. Yeah. yeah. The crazy part is, so the play was drew, like drew, we drew it up for Lo, right? Mm-hmm. It was uh. D'Lo comes off the off my pick to the top for the catch, and then I set like a step up so he can get downhill. Operate. So when he came up to the top, it wasn't like he didn't get open enough. Like the dude was like kind of face guarding him, like not letting him catch it. So he looked at me like when I popped the catch it to hand it off. He looked at me like, ah. and he said, "I don't know if you can hear." It, he said, "Go, go." I turned and I was like, go no <laughs> 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 and I was like, yo, he's not, I could tell. I was like, yo, I, he's not ready. He was thinking d He ain't ready. So I just was like, ah. Yeah. This
0: verse, was, was it, was it a, like, did you like clutch
1: in between that layup too? I, I, I mean, that was but, a crazy layup. I, yeah, so like, so like when I was going up, he like bowed me. So like, that's why I was like, Like, I'm, like, not even really, like, looking at the basket. It's like, you are like, he fouled me. And I thought they was going to call it, but I was like, it's the game on the line. They're probably not going to call it. So um, I had to be, like, super, like, focused to make that because that was definitely a tough play. It's funny.
0: I I remember watching that game like it was yesterday. That's got to be one of the – and, I mean, and the Nets had a game like that this year. Uh, They are playing Boston. They were down Mm. 28 in the mm-hmm. second quarter, that was a really bad game to watch. Luckily, you know, I missed like half the first quarter. Um, they came all the way back, and it just it was like his Joey Joe was there and Dinwiddie was there, and I'm like, oh my yeah. god, it's, it's like the same thing yeah. over again. Like I, I get similar. I mean, it's different, obviously, very different players. Um, with like, I mean, Claxton and Allen are actually quite similar, at least. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: But I, I get similar vibes from both teams as far as yeah. I think they're capable. Of. I don't know if you are really up to date how up to date you are with the new Nets team.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um you said after the trade like uh with the uh, Cam and all the Yeah,
0: with all like, the new guys.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, yeah, I would say it's uh definitely definitely some similarities. I feel like if if we mm-hmm. all would have stayed I, it kind of reminded me of like how kind of Memphis, the Grizzlies kinda of, like all those young guys got like yeah. Really good or whatever. That's what kind of reminded me of us. Like if Karis, me, Spencer, D-Lo, Jared Allen, like we would have stayed together and like built. I feel like that would have like we would have been kind of like in that top three, four category of the teams in the East. And um, it would have been it would have been awesome. It would have been awesome. We still would have had that same energy. Yeah. Um, I would have told I would have said, Sean, we gotta keep Theo. <laughs> just like, we gotta keep Theo. Uh, uh, we need this kind of energy, just kind of like he's yelling on the bench. He like, he's amazing. So he still does it too. I mean,
0: well, now he's a yeah. podcaster though. He's a podcaster now. Yeah. Yelling yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <The other> pod- <laughs> 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 on his podcast.
0: <laughs> Ooh, I guess another question I have is what were your experiences like with uh Sean Marks? So no, you know, fan, yeah. fans like him, fans don't like him. Um, you know, yeah. it's not. I don't really blame him anymore. I did at first. I gotta say that real mm-hmm. quick. I blamed Marks for the whole saga of the stars messing. It was not his fault.
1: I'll be real yeah. about it
0: now. At least. Yeah. So what? What your experience is
1: like? Um, my experience. I mean, he like. So I was there before him, and when he came, he was like, "I'm sure you guys know we talk about the culture. That's what he always would say that, and like." interviews and like meetings and things like that um and that was like kind of like the 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 shift once he came of like trying to change the culture like I knew things were going to be different and you know you start to appreciate that in the beginning because like when I first got there you got like a bunch of old school guys and like it's like very like laid back and like they're doing that their thing or whatever but then Sean comes and he's like more like hook, hook, changing this changing that firing it like doing this and like trying to build that new identity um and I feel like it was very it was it was elite in terms of like what the city what the culture needed like the community needed that like they needed like us young guys that kind of like bring back that real Brooklyn grit, that real like spirit and mm-hmm. aura back to the Barclays and then take it from there. Um, And he was, he was good, man. He was good. I think like a lot of people kind of misunderstand him or like think of him as the villain because it, it's like, you got to blame somebody. You know what I'm saying? So like okay. for people, for people that don't know, it's like, when you put players on a team or like when you go get players and stuff, it's like you've done your job. It's like, yo, we brought phenomenal pieces to the team. You know what I'm saying? Like, all right, you, you got these wonderful players. But then it becomes like the player's job to like perform or execute or like do what like was right. But at the, at the same time, it's also like looking at it from a um, – a, a, an analyst perspective or a fan's perspective is like, well, Sean, you should have known that Kyrie wasn't going to mesh with these guys. Or like, you know what I'm saying? So like, yeah. I think we think too deep into it, like that. It kind of like gives you a different perspective or an opinion to like uh, be mad at Sean. Um, but when really, it comes down to like, if you look at it from an analytical standpoint, or like from a like how wonderful this this player is like what he's done it's like yo who would have thought they wouldn't have worked out you know what i'm saying like absolutely we're not looking at it in terms of like that side we're looking at it in terms of like it didn't work out versus like the other three million things that happened like life happened uh uh, uh, people like speak like speaking on yourself like think of it like put yourself in in anyone's shoes like you've been in a place where like people didn't understand you, you know what I'm saying? You felt like an oddballer, like you felt like the world was against you. And in those moments, all people really need is support. It's like, yo, support me. Like I may do something wrong, but that's not my true intention. I know everyone knows, like the people that actually like know Kyrie and like spent time with him, like he has a genuine heart, you know, he like really cares about people and things like that. Now they may say he made uh, some decisions that you know affected a lot of people, and I get that. We we've all you know affected due to our like circumstances or settings. Like for you, it may be the thirty thousand people on on uh, that are following you on Twitter. Like if you say something, like your your scale isn't as large as Kyrie's, but it's still large. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like. So thinking of it in terms of that, like he, he impacted a lot of people and their feelings and things like that, but it's also like all the people that know him, how many people actually stood up for him? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like my man's still human. He breathes the same air as us. You know what I'm saying? So like he went on, a, he went on like that moment or like those months without like no real support in the world. You know, it might have been cool, like he had his family and things like that, but it's like when you got multiple platforms crushing him, it kind of like weighs on a human, you know? So like that, that kind of is like where you kind of like go back to blaming, like Sean Marks for bringing a guy like that and things like that, you know? So it's just like, I would say, talking to you guys and like giving you this perspective, like whenever in the future you see things like this, man, it's just like Look at it from every angle, and it's cool if you talk about it and like you say your opinion. Like you have your own opinion, that's fine. But it's also like give the other opinion as well, you know. Right? Yeah,
0: I would say, um, yeah, I, as as far as things like that go, I, I do feel like I feel like coaches get a lot of blame too. I mean, obviously, like, let me just say real quick, I, d- I didn't like Steve Nash. I don't think he was personally a good coach, which is whatever. But I do feel like coaches often are kind of victimized. Like, if, if players don't execute or GMs mm-hmm. don't do their job correctly, it does. it's pretty easy to pin it on the coach. Because, yeah. like, I think you, um, you would agree that a lot of fans actually don't know or most fans don't know what goes on and what his coach's job actually is and what he's doing behind the scenes. You think yeah. it's fair to say that they're the most, uh, I guess, victimized of the group that gets like pin- things gets pinned on them the easiest.
1: Yeah, with the coaches. Yeah, yeah, no, nah, definitely, definitely. Um, I think, I think a lot of times it's like depending on it depends on the organization too, because you got to think some organizations like if you have a GM who's like really hands on or like likes to kind of like run things, it could be different, like people don't know like sometimes there's like that kind of factor that weighs into it. Like it's not the coach that is like, yo, we got to run this kind of system or something like that. It's like, maybe it's someone above him. Like you got to weigh in all these factors. Like I'm not saying I know this, but I'm just saying like, it's so many different moving pieces that make up the game, yeah. you know, and to, to kind of like, to, like, even if, a, say if I'm a, the best player on my team, and I come in and I'm like, I go straight to the GM like, yo, you got to run this for me. You're paying me 30, $40 million a year. I would think you will tell the coach this is what we're running for. You know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. just like, and it, it's not the coach in that, in that sense. You know what I'm saying? So like, it's yeah. so many factors that you got to kind of think about when when, when actually speaking on those topics or like people yeah. are bashing their coach and it's like, well, um, he actually told me to run this offense for him. And we're just trying to, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and they're like, the coach is terrible. We need to get rid of him. Like, uh, yeah. you is, know? is Sean real hands-on? Um, Yeah, when I was there, he was real hands-on. I can't speak for now, but he's, like, in the gym. He's, like, he'll sit there, he'll cross his legs, cross his arms here, watch <laughs> practice. You know, he'll, he, he's, he's definitely hands-on. Um, you, you just, I mean, I feel like anyone who's hands-on with something they're creating, I feel like you gotta appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, if you had a camera and, and it was there, you would see him around. Most people would like, you see him over here, you see him over there. Like he, when I was there, he was in the gym, he was there. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say he was in there with shorts on and like a tank, ready to you know grab some <laughs> rebounds. But he and was good. He, the- he could, yeah, I mean for
0: sure, for sure. How tall is Sean? What six ten? Six ten? Yeah, yeah. He's like he's like six ten. Yeah, he's a, he's a big dude. We we could use him yeah. this season too. Or, or or you? We we got. I, I'm gonna keep it real. We have yeah. no not no rebounding, but the rebounding is not pretty. We were 26 last year and. Nah, Nothing. We got rid of Joe. Not that mm-hmm. Joe was a great rebounder, but we will miss yep. Joe. Joe's yep. been here yep. for, what, six six years?
1: Six, seven, yeah, yeah. He's been what, there. 20, 2016? I think he, he came in so 70s, right? Yeah, I think he came in. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. might have came in around 2017, 2016, 2017. Yeah. Yeah. What was your experience like with Joe? It's my brother. It's my brother. It's like super cool down to earth. Didn't didn't stress about much. Aside so from like, you know, the normal stuff like when he wasn't making shots, things like that, but he always was the same. He always was the same. Gave you love. Talked to you, checked on you. Um Yeah, he was that was my guy. That was my guy.
2: Yeah, I would say like um kinda going back to your like over like hating like, a thing that you were talking about, like, we know that Joe misses those, like, two shots against the box. but, you know, obviously you don't know, like, all,
0: like, the pressure.
2: Yeah, I know. I, I, I knew it was going to come up. <laughs> um, obviously, like, there's a lot of pressure that goes into, like, you know, hit, like, being in those situations and stuff, and I think, like, a lot of people are over-hating the fact uh, on Joe right now because, obviously, like, the Nets would have won that series if Kyrie and Harden were both fully healthy. Like, yeah. it, it, like the guys did all they, they could, and, like, I think Joe was, like, you know, more than anyone else, like a big vocal presence in the locker room. I don't know if you can probably speak to that. But um, I know, like, Joe, like, wanted the best for his team. Like, I know, like, this season he was put on the bench a lot. And, like, he just wanted the team to win. So I know he's, like, one of those guys that just, like, you know, put wants to put winning first. So no matter what, I think he just got overhated because, like, you know, he was going through some cold stretches and stuff. But for the most part, he was, like, the top three-point shooter for, like, five-year stretch and I was like mm-hmm. and people kind of forget that and I know mm-hmm. I, I you know people have criticisms of criticism him but I think like to, for the most part like he was you know a rock solid guy especially like a,
1: you know like a Brooklyn guy in my opinion. Yeah no definitely definitely I was like when people were like like bashing him and things like that I'm like just looking at it like oh, nah man nah not nah. anybody with Joe anybody but Joe like Hard to go, bro. Like yeah. when you talk about wanting to win and wanting to like see people succeed, like that's Joe. It's no, it was no ego with it. It was no like pride. Like at that time, I like I'm sure you guys saw. I was like 20 percent from three. Fit like mm-hmm. didn't shoot that much, and Joe was still like work out. Like I was like, Joe, can I shoot with you? I just like like having that like shoot to be able to shoot with like one of the best shooters in the NBA. It kind of like you got to step your game up. Like I, Like Joe's going 10 for 12 and I'm like going like 10 for 28. Like I got to get better. I got to. So like him being down to earth and like and it wasn't just me. He would like like anyone could come in. Jared Allen could come shoot with Joe. Like that's his energy. Like that's what he's bringing in. He's just he wants to support. He wants to win. And um, you got to love that, bro. You got to love that. You got to appreciate that. And like just like anything in life, bro, you you have those moments where you hit a hit it like a downhill. You know what I'm saying? Like you hit a cold spell, and I feel like in that moment, it's like people are like, "Yo, dude, you're getting paid all this money. You got to turn this into a superhero." And it's like, like God didn't make us superheroes, bro. He made us human, just like you. And no matter the time, like it's like it happens sometimes at the at the most inconvenient times. Uh, those moments happen. And it's all about how, like, you bounce back. Mm-mm.
0: Yeah, that and um, Joe, actually, uh, getting a big um shouts to Joe because he had that double ankle surgery. And he came back. It took a little bit of time. Past the trade deadline, I mean, he was having a bunch of those six three-pointer. He looked like old Joe. It, mm-hmm. it was really nice to see. And uh, yeah. uh, good luck to Joe in, in Detroit, though, because, um, you know, mm-hmm. Nuts fans will always appreciate everything he did. And, and, Absolutely. Um, yeah, one of the, I mean, the longest Nets tenured player in a long time. So yeah, sure.
1: yeah. Uh,
0: is there any um anything you want to say about what you got going on or anything that's upcoming for you?
1: Um, whew, man. I've been uh so like I said earlier, like going on my journey and things like that. I kind of I went on like a spiritual journey, um, where like I I like got introduced to introduce the mindfulness, meditation, um, breathing properly, um, and things like that. And I fell in love with it. I fell in love with it so much that I created a uh, mindfulness app. It'll be out soon. We're kind of working out the, the legality stuff of it. Um, but it's, it's, it's for kids from kindergarten to eighth grade. Um, very simple, very easy. It's a one-minute, three-minute meditations about... Um, you know, fulfillment, uh, sleeping well, things like that, you know, kind of to, like, help our kids, man, help the children, help the youth kind of shift their mindset, love themselves, believe in themselves, uh, trust in other people, um, and, like, kind of creating a different Like When we talk about culture, you think about, like, way, like, Long year, year, years ago, like when, when uh, families used to own like the neighborhood, not own, but like your family had at least like ten relatives in that neighborhood. So when you talk about that, it's kind of like the neighborhood is raising your 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 kids. So like the respect, okay. the love, um, uh, the responsibility. You might be like, "Hey, go to your grandma's house and take the trash out," and things like that. Like now as we get older you see like you may live two states away from your grandparents or like you may like your closest relative maybe 5 hours away um and i kind of want to like build that up to where like even if you're not related you kind of still trust your neighbor you still believe in the people in your community um And I think that's something that should be universal, bro. It should be, like, if you live in, like, a cul-de-sac, if you live in a a development or a neighborhood, like, they should have monthly, like, barbecues and things like that. Like, you should know the people that live in your neighborhood. um, You should know and feel safe with your kid being able to play outside, man. And uh, the world has changed and shifted to where, like, like parents don't even want to let their kids, like, leave the house without them. And i remember when i was like six seven i could walk across my whole city you know like and like people would be like oh i know that kid like you know what i'm saying and like it like that that's the difference from back then and now man and i feel like we need to get that back we need to like fall in love with loving ourselves and our community more in our our world bro it's like you see the world dying bro and it's it's sad to watch you see on the news like people getting killed and like mass shootings and like 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 people shooting up schools and kids, bro. It's just like we need more love, bro. We need more people to like check in on your friend and like tell him you love him, bro, and actually like have a conversation with him, like challenge him to like open up and express his feelings. Like people don't express themselves or like know how to articulate what they're actually feeling because they feel like you'll judge them. It's like, bro, whoever whoever's watching this, bro, you guys man, talk about it on the, on the next podcast, something, bro, just like accepting people's feelings, bro. Everyone has the right to feel how they feel, bro, mm-hmm. and Absolutely. allow them to be able to express it, you know, and and you'll start to see like the brighter side of them, like them coming too uh, because they're able to get these emotions and these deep thoughts off their mind and their body bro Mm
0: -hmm. so absolutely yeah
1: that that was that was really inspirational i love that great
0: anything else you want to tell them about um
1: we'll wrap up oh yeah no i I mean aside from that bro i'm really like focused on like building up the world bro so like i got an aftercare program we do mindfulness encoding uh we're actually starting esports. i don't know if you guys are familiar with that Yes, sir. We're we're getting into the e-sports field where, uh, say, for instance, uh, a youth program causes like a YMCA or a a, a a school, whatever. And they're like, hey, we want your program. Uh, we'll come and, like, I'll send you guys um, um, photos of it. Like, we create a game room. Like, we got the neon lights. We got the gaming chairs, the systems, the TVs. The, mm-hmm. Like, we created, like, an atmosphere where, like, yo, this is amazing. So like kids in like communities that may not have uh, playgrounds and things like that, like they can come into this game room. We'll have it open on the weekends and things like that where they can come. It's a safe environment. They can play video games. They can repeat And the one thing about that is, you know, online now is like amazing. So you could play a kid. You could be in New York, Brooklyn, and you could play a kid all the way in California, Los Angeles, you know? Yeah. So like, being able, to, being able to have access to that because a lot of kids don't play sports now. Like, a lot of kids just scroll on. Like, they want to be YouTubers or they want to be, like, TikTokers or they, like, want to be streamers on video games. So, like, giving them that platform to do that, it, like, keeps their mind frame positive um, and things like that. And the coding piece is, like, very beneficial because it's, like, so many jobs available to coding and you don't need a degree. You know, you can uh do programs for like let's say a month three months or whatever you can get a certified as a coder to be able to go get these jobs and coding jobs are paying upwards of eighty thousand six figures and things like that so um definitely oh absolutely
0: i did a little bit of coding myself i wasn't great i, I was okay and then i'm like mm-hmm. all right i'm just gonna go for sports media i like this a lot yes. more. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah I tried. I tried i tried <laughs>
0: I did. I did for a year. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm not good. i like, yeah, but at least I tried. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> but definitely. Well, yeah, we want to thank you for coming on, man. It was uh, a amazing yeah. talk to you. See you. Um, you know, we hope to have you back in yeah. Brooklyn. Love to see yeah. you at a game or something, or you know, suited yeah. up, suited up. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Take the definitely, last definitely. Take the
0: last roster spot.
1: We have we one left. Yeah, man. Tell it. Tell it. Tell the uh, Brooklyn fans to tweet call the Nets and and um. Tell them let me back home. Tell them let me back home. I love <laughs> it. Yeah. Let me back home. For, yeah, like bring me back. Yeah. Bring back go. our yeah. I like it. I like it. Yeah. yeah. Thank
0: definitely. you for coming on. And yeah, on. yeah. Hopefully talk to you soon again.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Appreciate you guys. Yeah.
0: See
1: ya.